Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Coming at you this final hour of Friday Sports Talk Edition with Jeff Steve and Charlie Long. We got a big lead for this LSU women's basketball team. They've jumped out to a 73-49 lead at the end of the the third quarter. What was that? Putting the screws to him. Yeah. Uh, After that big delay, did not ice this LSU women's basketball team. They came out with even more firepower. And uh, heading into the uh, the final quarter of that matchup, uh, after that, it is Kentucky versus Tennessee. Tennessee. Rocky top. So we'll see. uh, Obviously, after after this game, uh, the well, Tigers will find out who they end up playing in the next round, and hopefully, we'll see if it sets up for a big number one, number two matchup against South Carolina again. Uh, I know the Tigers are probably looking forward to that after they got dominated in that first uh, matchup in the regular season against the Gamecocks, and uh, who knows? Come NCAA tournament time, you could be uh, expect- expecting a lot from South Carolina as well. Yeah, and that game tomorrow will be at 5.45 p.m., uh, although it's going to be one of those situations where South Carolina Ole Miss is going to tip at 3.30. So Hopefully no more weather yeah, delays. Don't Yeah, yeah hopefully it doesn't <laughs> rain. You know, Hopefully they paid the, the water, the, the electric bill and all that. You know, uh, But, yeah, so if that game goes long, then you know it might be – yeah, so keep be, – be adjustable. Um, you know, you might be able to, to watch some other, uh, some other games, maybe some baseball games, kind of like, you know, LSU. You know, are they playing right now? Hmm, yeah, you have an update. Talking about firepower, Paul Skeens, three innings pitched, one hit allowed, seven strikeouts on 38 pitches. There's only nine. There's only three outs in inning, right? So if you can do the math there, there's only nine outs available. He, seven of them have been strikeouts. This kid is legit. Yeah, pretty impressive. I'm looking at the numbers, obviously. Uh, ten batters faced, seven K'd. Yeah, but uh, they the, are still tied zero zero, kind of like the, I was going to say. LSU's bats aren't doing yeah. too well themselves. Well, right. I mean, if you go back to Texas, they got like one hit. They got more than one hit, but one hit was that game that Gavin Dugas had a three run home run in the top of the ninth inning. So if you take the first eight innings of that game and the first three innings of this game, that's eleven innings without a run. That's not something that you expected to be saying about this team is is that they're struggling to put runs on the board, especially against the team. You know, Butler's not exactly a uh, a powerhouse here. Um, hopefully, they can their bats can pick it up. They do have a run around second right now. Yeah, seeing uh, right now the Baylor uh, <laughs> Butler. I don't know why I keep wanting to say Baylor instead of Butler. They he's faced. Uh, 11 batters, hit one, has struck out seven, and have only given up one hit. Also has a walk. So, yeah, he also you know, like has I, seven strikeouts, right? The, the LSU bats have just uh, they got a little cold here, need to start waking up with this warm weather. He's well, doing and, it against and, the best of the lineup, too. Gavin Dugas and Dylan Cruz, the top two hitters, are both 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. <sighs> Pretty yeah, impressive stuff. Yeah, and I mean, you're talking about this team does have that high strikeout rate. They've already struck out seven times today. So it's like that is something that they're going to have to figure out is, you know, manufacture runs. You got to you got to put the ball in play. 
When we get back from the break, we'll be talking NFL Combine. Checking in with Justin Mello from the Draft Network. Uh, get his thoughts on uh, some of the workouts that have been going on and also heard from the QBs today in Indianapolis. Back after the break on WWL after this on Sports Talk with Stephen Jeff. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Back in the sports talk, welcome in Justin Mello from the NFL Draft. NFL Draft analyst from the Draft Network. Sorry, Justin, how are you doing today? Doing well. Appreciate you guys for having me on. Uh, big buzz uh, in these parts has been what is going on with Hendon Hooker. I know he took to the podium today, obviously not taking part in any of the drills at the Combine as he's recovering from his ACL injury. But uh, general uh, feeling about what the quarterback had to say today, how's he doing? Did he mention any progress at all? Yeah, so I actually got to speak with Hendon myself personally okay. about uh, two, two and a half weeks ago. Um, he was ahead of schedule uh, on the rehab, which was, was really good news for him. Uh, if, if you watched him today speak at the podium, and really anyone that spent time around him, incredibly impressive young man. And I can't stress that enough. Incredibly impressive. I, I had a chance to have a really good conversation with him. We were on the phone for about an hour a couple of weeks ago, just you know, going through his story, talking about his journey to Tennessee and to the NFL draft. And I'm just blown away with uh, the maturity, the personality, the attitude, the mindset. I'll tell you, he's got all the intangibles. Wh whichever locker room is going to be you know, lucky enough to get Hendon Hooker in it, uh, they're going to welcome him immediately. And they're going to welcome him with open arms. And, and I, I won't be very long, in my opinion, before he becomes one of those leaders of that team. Whether he's a starter or the backup, he's the kind of guy with uh, you know, an infectious amount of energy. I think guys are going to look to um, for advice and, and whatever they need a helping hand. R really, really impressive young man. 
Yeah, and kind of just keeping on the the quarterback train. I know one of the kind of amusing things that came up today was Anthony Richardson kind of taking uh, not offense, but just you know feeling a little slighted by the project label that has been thrown around. You know, can you can you talk about you know what you heard from Anthony today, and do you think he is a project? Yeah, I thought he handled it very well, right? I thought the way he handled the question. The first thing I noticed when he stepped up to the podium, first of all, anyone that, that, that kind of has been there and seen him, um, wow, in terms of the build, right? Like just a massive, massive human being for a quarterback. Really, really impressive. Uh, when you turn on the tape, look, there, there are moments where you question some of the decision-making, I think. And look, this was a first-year starter in 2022, right? Like that stuff – is going to happen. I, I think that's very, very normal, especially with what, you know, they've gone through at Florida there with some of the coaching changes and everything. It was going to be an uphill battle for him. But the, what I say is, you know, the highs are extremely high, and then the lows were a little low. I don't know that it's fair to call him a project per se, because I do think you have to appreciate what he was able to accomplish playing in the SEC, right? This guy was not playing low-level football, right? Typically speaking, they were playing very good defenses on a weekly basis, and, and he would go out there and 100, 150, 200 rushing yards, two, three rushing touchdowns, threw for 17 touchdowns this year. So um, I, I think there's certainly a bit of a learning curve here uh, with him, and, and whichever team gets him, I think you'd be better off maybe sitting him on the bench for a year and having him learn. That doesn't always happen in today's NFL, especially if you're a first-round quarterback. But, you know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to age myself here, but, we, you know, you remember when it happened with Patrick Mahomes even just a few years ago and it happened with Aaron Rodgers way back in the day? I still think that's a, a pretty good way for a young quarterback to learn, especially one that, that only started one game uh, – sorry, uh, started for one season in college. Looking here at some of the numbers from the cornerback workouts today and seeing uh, DJ Turner pretty much winning the day at corner. Only two last year had a 4.2640 um, or less. Uh, pretty impressive um, numbers from Turner. I, I didn't think that he was going to be able uh, to put up that fast a uh, time out there. Yeah, extremely impressive, right? And some of the others were, were good as well, right? The broad jump was good, 38-and-a-half-inch vertical. Right. Um, and, and when you watch the tape, you know, of course you're always a little surprised when someone runs a 4-2-6, but I did think he was very athletically gifted. I <laughs> thought the deep speed on tape was unbelievable. So I'm, I'm certainly not surprised that he tested as well as he did. I think, again, when you watch him, you, you, you see this as a man coverage cornerback, right, that wants to play on the boundary, wants to be one-on-one because, he, you know, he can sink his hips, he can change direction, he trusts his speed. He was routinely in the hip pocket, you know, of opposing receivers. Uh, Michigan, and they played a little zone coverage as well in 2022. So I thought that was good for him to have experience, you know, with, with a variety of different looks and schemes. I thought the football IQ – um, was pretty good. I, I think where your questions are on him, and, and I noticed this immediately on tape, and the measurements I think reinforced it. You know, the part not everyone's talking about is the length, the height, the weight. Right, five eleven today, uh, one seventy eight, thirty inch arms. Right, doesn't even reach thirty one inch arms. You know, the NFL they love those. You know, thirty three, thirty two, thirty three, and he's got you know thirty and, and not even a half. So there are questions there about how that can impact him at the catch point. I think at the next level, look, there are a lot of talented, undersized cornerbacks in the next level where sometimes when they give something up, they're in the right place. They did everything right. They just don't have, you know, the arm length or the measurables or whatever it is to make the play, right? The body can't always make the play that the mind does. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up. But certainly um, he won the day, and I think he made himself some money in Indianapolis. Gotcha. Now, so kind of just putting on your putting on your Saints hat for a second here. Um, you know, as as you're kind of watching all of the players on the field this weekend, thinking about okay, the back end of the first round, 29 in that range. If you were looking for okay, these are players I'm looking at because that would be someone that I'd be targeting in that range. Is there anyone that kind of sticks out to you that maybe a Saints fan should be honing in on? Well, let me ask you this. Do you have a position or two that you think you might be looking at there at the back end of the first? There's so many. Um, defensive <laughs> interior is, is one that I think if the Saints are making a, a need pick, that would be a defensive tackle, nose tackle in that range. If not that, maybe an edge rusher. If you're looking at offense, maybe a guard. Yeah, I don't know that you know Nolan Smith is going to get there anymore um, after after what he did there. Uh, you know, with the the four point three nine forty at two hundred and thirty eight pounds is just absolutely silly, right? But if he's there at the back end of the first round, and, and he might be, I, I I had thought at the time that you know he was probably goes somewhere in the range of you know twenty five to forty, and you know again he could go a little earlier now, but that's a guy out of Georgia. Uh, that I really like. Don't sleep on on, on B.J. Ojolari out of LSU. I thought he had a, a, a pretty damn good combine as well. 6'2", 248. Four, yeah, 34. Yeah, of course, yeah, 34-inch arm. So I thought I thought he had um, a, a pretty good day as well. Defensive tackle, I don't know that I would go one there. I, I think it might be a little early. I, I really like Keon White out of Georgia Tech, if you're not familiar with him. 6'4", 280, 34-inch arms. Put up 30 reps on the bench press. Well, that's harder to do, right, when you got those 34-inch charm so super impressive that he's able to hit 30 reps I, I, I love the player love I thought he wasn't getting enough hype a few months ago now it feels like it's going a little the other way with him uh, Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin is a guy that I really like I see him more as a second round pick I'm excited for people to get more eyes on him he's a guy I was really high on before the senior bowl and I thought he was excellent out there in Mobile I think he's got a chance to go in that 45 to 50 pick range in terms of the two guards I, I really like Osiris Torrance out of Florida. I think he's going to stun some people tomorrow when he gets on the scale um, there in Indianapolis. I think a lot of people are expecting 345, 350. I, I think he's going to be 325, 330, and that's going to surprise people. Probably more athletically gifted um, than he gets credit for. And Cody Mock out of North Dakota State. People keep giving me uh, you know crap for calling him a potential first-round pick, but this is a guy that can play all five positions across the offensive line. He played tackle at North Dakota State. Everyone assumes he's going to kick inside at the next level. I do think he's a better fit at guard, but they even had him snap the ball a little uh, in Mobile, and he looked really good doing it. So if I'm looking at guard there and then that range there at the back end of the first round where New Orleans is picking, I think Osiris Torrance or Cody Mock makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely curious. A little more info with Osiris Torrance. He's definitely a guy, for me at least, doing these mock drafts on a daily basis now, is someone <laughs> that seems to fall in that 29 range for the Saints. Yeah, really, really good football player. Look, I'll, I'll put my hand up and admit that when, when he went to the Senior Bowl, I had questions on him. You know, when I watched the tape, this is a really big guy, right? He was listed, I think, over 350, 360. And when I watched the tape, I, I, I thought he looked 350, 360 to the point where I'm like, I don't know that this guy is going to be a universal fit for every scheme, you know, at that size, he might have to play in a gap power scheme only and some teams might, you know, not have them on their board because of that. 
boy, was I wrong. You know, I, I thought he went to the senior bowl, uh, in, incredible mover. Looked at, no one got by him, really. Like, those practices, you know, they, they draw a crowd, right? Those one-on-one pass rushing refs. That's yeah. what everyone wants to watch. He stonewalled everyone. It was, it was a conveyor belt. Just line him up. <laughs> no one was able to run through him. No one was able to get around him. He was incredible. He's got a ton of uh, uh, meetings here at the Combine, formal meetings I was able to report on yesterday on my, on my Twitter account. I don't believe the Saints were one of them yesterday, but hope they might still get in the mix there. Uh, just really impressive. I do think he's going to go higher than people think. I think he's a first-round pick. At least that's the feedback I, I've been able to get from scouts and teams that I've spoken with. Um, so certainly if Saints fans are thinking that that's too early for Osiris Torrance, I, I think they'll be proven wrong. I don't know if they'll be too early, but they definitely might not be happy if the Saints end up going offensive line yeah, in the first round. There's something about drafting a guard that makes the fans sad. I don't know why. It's just not it's an not exciting sexy. position. Right? No, not, definitely yeah, right? not. It's right. not exciting. Exactly. You know, and so I think this is a – we can kind of go from here. Is So we talked about Hendon Hooker a little bit. You know, where would you expect him to go if you were kind of pegging a range? Is he a second-round pick? Is he a third-round pick? You know, I, I'm trying to – it's kind of weird with quarterbacks because – if you believe a quarterback is the guy, it's like I don't know if there is a too early to take him. But at a certain point, it's like, okay, all these names on the board at 29, this probably doesn't make sense when you could get a guy in the third round. So where would you kind of see his range? Yeah, I, I do think personally, and I, I agree with your assessment there, it's always weird with quarterbacks. I would feel comfortable if it was, you know, if I was pegging him into a round here, I think round three or four probably makes the most sense for him. But I, because, you know, I, I agree with your assessment. I wouldn't be surprised if he was a second round pick. I'll admit, I'd be stunned if he was a first rounder, even there at, you know, 29, 30th overall, just because of the ACL. Right. You know, there's a good chance this first year for him is going to be, a, you know, a red shirt year, essentially. Right. Keep in mind, he's also, you know, he's about 25 years old, right? So he may not see his first NFL action potentially until 26, right? If you're giving him the entire rookie season off. I, I think that may be a tough pill to swallow for some franchises when it comes to do I draft this guy at the end of the first round or, or early second. But uh, for me, I think he's a, a, a third or fourth round pick. But because of what you say, you know, the need at quarterback, if you think he's the guy, you don't care uh, that he might miss the first few months or you don't care that he's 25 or 26. Uh, if you think he's the guy, then you probably do take him in the second round. Now one more, one, a, a couple more local guys too. Uh, two Tulane kids that I think are really intriguing. Both were at the Senior Bowl. Is uh, Tajay Spears and and uh, Darnell Washington. I get that. No, Dorian Williams. Duh. Darnell Washington is the tight end from Georgia. He was stuck in my brain. Dorian Williams uh, from Tulane. I'm curious if you've had any chance to look at them in particular, and if you have any impressions uh, one way or the other. I have. Yeah, I mean, Tajay Spears, I, I don't know that there was a, a better running back in Mobile, right, right at, at the senior bowl than him. He was electric. And look, I, I'll be honest, that environment, it's set up for guys like him to win, right? Like those one-on-ones with linebackers and safety, those are really tough environments to put defenders in, right? It is not skewed in their favor. Just like I always say, when you do the one-on-one pass rushing reps, that skews in the favor of the D lineman. Well, it's the other way around, right? When we're doing these pass catching drills one-on-one, but he did what he had to do. Look, we know he's a little undersized. That probably means he's not a bell cow at the next level, right? I think you're going to have to pair him with someone in the backfield, like most NFL offenses are doing nowadays, right? There are only so many, um, you know, Derek Henry's and, and Saquon Barkley's in the NFL. So uh, I think you get him into a backfield, you pair him with a guy that's probably got, you know, a bit more weight on him, a bit more power, a bit taller. And I think you really like that pairing. He did what he had to do. He's dynamic, 6'5", 
shifty, explosive. Um, I, I can't wait to see what he's going to do at the next level. He's a really fun kid, too. He's another one I got a chance to speak with um, uh, for about 30, 40 minutes a few weeks ago. And uh, incredibly confident, uh, full of personality, very colorful, big fan of the kid. I think he's going to have a good chance there. Um, Dorian Williams, I thought some of the measurements were, were good on him. We know, you know, a little undersized at, at six foot two twenty eight. But one thing that struck me was he got these ten inch hands, right? Well, what, usually you don't see that on a, on a six foot two hundred and twenty eight pound linebacker. And the length is good too, right? Arms longer than, than thirty two inches. Um, I, I, you know, he played a lot of football there at Tulane. He led them in tackles in twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty two. He's a good athlete. When I watch him on tape, I, I watched a lot of him at Tulane because I was super interested in his skill set. He's today's linebacker, right? I think he's really good in coverage. He can drop back there. He's great in pursuit. So I think this is a guy that can play a role for you. Now, of course, when it comes to those traditional rundowns, he's going to struggle to play through contact, to get off blocks. When, you know, if a guard climbs to the second level, it's probably over for him, right? That's not uh, an advantageous uh, situation for him. But I think you get him on the field on third. I think early in his career, he's going to play special teams. I think he'll be a really good special teams player. And then I think you get him onto the field on those, you know, third and obvious passing downs. And he's so athletic. He's so terrific in coverage. I do think he'll bring something to the next level. Talking with the Draft Network's Justin Mello right now. And I'm uh, just curious, uh, how many of these tight ends do you have in the top 50, 60 of your draft prospects because this season just seems to be an overload at the position and we're definitely hoping here that the Saints can capitalize on that and bring someone in. Yeah, it's a really, really good tight end class. It really is. And, I, and I've got a whole bunch of them in my top 50, top 60. I, I'm still a huge fan of, of Michael Mayer out, yeah. out of Notre Dame. I think, um, I, I think we've got a little bit uh, tired of hearing about Michael Mayer, right? Like you're seeing all of a sudden he's sliding down draft boards. I, I know he's probably not the greatest athlete, and I think people are going to ding him for that a little bit. But for me, um, I thought he was a really easy evaluation. I think he's a dominant, dominant football player, and I've got an extremely high grade on him. Like I, I would feel comfortable drafting him even around, you know, somewhere between 10 to 15th overall. Uh, that's how good I think he is. And, and that's even with me taking a positional value uh, into consideration. You, and then you talk, you mentioned Darnell Washington from Georgia earlier, excited to get some of the official me- measurements was listed at six, seven, two sixty-five, And I don't think that'll be far off. Right. I think he's a ginormous human being. That's well, an athletic mismatch for safeties and linebackers. He's going to be a massive target in the red zone and he's going to be a safety blanket across the middle. Right. Because uh, he'll, he's always going to be there and he's going to be open. So uh, he's another one. I'm a big fan of Dalton Kincaid out of Utah. You talked about probably um, some of the best route running uh, and uh, ball skills out of this tight end class. Again, he's a dynamic weapon at the catch point. He's probably the one that reminds me the most of Travis Kelsey in this class. Unfortunately, you watch him against USC, by the way, 16 catches for 234 yards and a touchdown this year. I mean, nobody can cover him. Uh, Tucker Kraft out of South Dakota State, another one I think is not getting enough attention. That's probably because, you know, A, he went to a small school. B, he didn't play a ton of football in 2022 due to an injury. But if you, if you have a chance to turn on the 2021 tape, he was unbelievably productive. Uh, they've had some good tight ends come through there, right? Dallas Goddard come through there. So we know it's a school that knows what it's doing uh, with tight ends. They know how to develop these guys. I'm really excited to watch him at the next level. Then the final one, I've got in my top 60 is Luke Musgrave out of Oregon State. 
I'm a huge, huge fan of this kid. He's starting to get some of that first-round buzz, and I think that's warranted. 6'5", 255, a hand larger than 10 inches, uh, unbelievably versatile, big athletic pass catcher. Football runs in his blood. You know, again, this is a guy I got to speak with um, a few weeks ago for at length, and his father was, has been an offensive coordinator in the NFL for a long time. His, uh, uh, sorry, his uncle, I mean, uh, was offensive coordinator in the NFL for a long time. His dad was a quarterback as well. So this guy loves football. Like you talk to him about football, you can tell he's been around the game since he was a baby, two, three years old, and it's all he's ever wanted to be. Ever since he could talk and what do you want to do? He wants to be a football player, and I think he plays with that same passion, uh, tenacity, and energy on film. You know when you're, you're talking to a guy and you can just feel that he's not BSing you? Like, this guy loves football through and through. So I'm a huge fan of Luke Musgrave. I do think he can get into that first-round conversation. The New Orleans Saints are in a good position. It's a good year to need a tight end. There are a lot of guys, even in the you know, later rounds, I like. Uh, Sam Laporta. Out of Iowa is a guy that I like a lot. I, I really like the kid that was down at the Senior Bowl as well, Payne Durham from Purdue. I thought he was terrific in Mobile. Michigan's got a tight end that's pretty darn good as well. So really good year to need a tight end this year. Justin, another position that's kind of been devalued, but it's also deep with this draft class is the running back position. I wanted to know what your thoughts were on Bijan Robinson, where he'll go in the first round, <sighs> and then how that would also play out for the rest of the running back class because it's really stacked from top to bottom. So I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, like, I'm tired of this, you know, talking about Bijan Robinson. And I don't mean your question. I just mean, what are we doing here? This guy is one of the three best football players in this draft, bar none. There are not three more talented football players than Bijan Robinson. I'm tired of hearing about positional value. Look, I understand, for example, the Tennessee Titans have not won a Super Bowl. I get that. You can't find four teams in the AFC that have won more games than the Tennessee Titans over the last five years. They are actually right up there with the Kansas City Chiefs and Buffalo Bills for how many games they've won during the regular season. And they've been to an AFC championship game. Derrick Henry helps them win football games. You watch the Bengals and Bills in the playoffs. What was the biggest difference? Everyone had the Bills winning that game. What was the biggest difference in that game to me? One of those teams could run the football and the other one put it right, in the playoffs, where the Bills couldn't run the football. Everyone knows they can't run the football. They lose by three scores. The Bengals, I understand, they've got all those weapons, and, of course, you know them well. Lost them with LSU, but they can run the football. They're a little bit more balanced than I think people give them credit for, right? Cause it's easy to give all the credit to Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, and as terrific as they are, you know, Joe Mixon, Samaj P. Ryan, that O-line, they've been a big part of the success um, that they had, especially this past year. Bijan Robinson was one of the three best football players in this class. I'll tell you what, I don't know if this is going to be popular because, you know, this is a Saints show and uh, NFC. If I, if I was the Philadelphia Eagles picking at 10, I wouldn't think twice, okay? First of all, you're not supposed to be picking at 10. You went to a Super Bowl, right? You got that pick. I'm, I'm sorry to bring up, you know, bad memories. You got that pick from the Saints in a deal that maybe didn't Thanks. work out so well, I think. Yeah, it didn't work out so well, I think, for New Orleans. So you're in a, you're in a bit of a luxurious position. And look, they're going to have a lot of holes this summer, more than people think. they got a ton of free agents. They're going to have to restock the cupboard at some of the other positions, especially on the D-line, you know, where they're probably not going to get Ndamukong Sue back and Linval Joseph. You look at corner, there are going to be some bodies they need there, Ed Rusher. So they have a few more holes to fill, I think, this summer than people think. But I would still think long and hard about taking Bijan Robinson there at 10 over. I don't think there's another player in this draft that impacts the Philadelphia Eagles at number 10 overall, like Bijan Robinson can. You put him in that backfield with Jalen Hurts, what a nightmare. 
You're not supposed to be picking at 10, as I said. Take advantage of a luxurious position that you're very fortunate to be in. Don't overthink it. Miles Sanders is an unrestricted free agent. You're probably not bringing him back. Ask Dijon Robinson. Again, do not overthink it. If he gets past there at 10, I'll tell you, you have a harder time figuring out where he's going to go. I still think he goes in the first round. He absolutely should. I think an underrated team there. Again, if he gets past Philly at 10, I look at the Detroit Lions at 18th overall. That's their second of two first-round picks, right? So at that point, they, they might be feeling a bit better. We got a defensive stud at six because I'm very confident that's what they're going to do. Take a guy like Miles Murphy or a Tyree Wilson, or I doubt a Will Anderson's going to be there, but a, a, you know him or a Jalen Carter. You're going to take one of those four best defensive players, I think, at six overall. Uh, and then at 18, you can come back and say, you know what? DeAndre Swift hasn't quite worked out the way we hoped he would. We're going to go ahead and take Bijan Robinson here. You know, so so Justin, this is really quick, and I'll let you go. Uh, you know, just in case anyone was questioning your draft credentials, I remember this vividly because we had you on after the second, after day two of the draft last year, and I remember at the end of our conversation, I asked you, okay, who is stands out to you as someone who's still on the board who shouldn't be and will be going early in round four, and you said, oh. No brainer, Kada and tight end. He's going to be off the board early. the The fourth round starts. First pick, Kada and off the board. <laughs> I was like, ah, nailed it. Uh, and I thought that was fantastic. Um, but you know, and you did a lot of work pre draft last year. You talked to a lot of players. I remember Alante Taylor was one that you talked with. Where can people find your work? And you know, is there anything kind of coming up that you're working on that people should keep an eye out for? Absolutely. So first of all, I just uh, had partnered up with this. I know it's a little in the past now, but I had partnered up with the Senior Bowl this year, teamed up. We did Draft Network with Jim Nagy and all the fantastic people there in Alabama. And uh, we did an interview series with players who were at the Senior Bowl in two weeks. Uh, I, I interviewed 50 kids that were at the Senior wow. Bowl over those past two weeks. All of all those interviews can be read um, on the draftnetwork.com. And I'm following that up right now with another interview series, of course, with these kids going through the pre-draft process. I think I've already published about 10 or 15 of them, and I only started about two weeks ago. You can pretty much look forward to a new one every single day. Awesome. Um, when the combine comes to a conclusion, I'm going to be sitting down with probably somewhere between 75 to 100 of these draft picks um, from between now and the end of April. So I'll be extremely busy. I always get these kids on the phone and I tell them, uh, you know, I'm probably almost as busy as you. You're my 98th interview this year. <laughs> and, they, and they always look back at me and go, no, 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 no. You're way busier than I am. That's absolutely ridiculous. So uh, I think sometimes I'm a little busier than I give myself credit for, but a uh, ton of interviews coming to the draft network. We're, we're doing seven round mocks on every team. I actually had a recent article on the Saints talking about uh, three running backs. I think they should target in the middle rounds. I thought that was a really fun piece. I looked at maybe someone that, you know, if they can either pair up with Alvin Kamara or, you know, if, if this continues to play out, uh, a guy that could even maybe replace him for the first half of the season if need be. Uh, so that's a fun article Saints fans might want to go read. I looked at a couple dual threat guys that I really think would fit that backfield in rounds, you know, three to five or so. But if you love learning about interviews, you love learning about these kids. I ask all, you know, I, I get a lot of information on pre-draft visits. So lots of same stuff uh, coming your way. Draftnetwork.com. Twitter is at Justin M underscore NFL. Definitely appreciate it, Justin. High energy, high information. You can get it all from Justin Mello on the Draft Network. Be sure to follow him too. Appreciate the time, and we'll be talking to you soon, my man. Appreciate you always. Thank you, Dow. Thanks.
That's a wrap on that segment here on WWL. Coming back with more, Jeff, Steven, Charlie, back after the break. Just coming back, that was a great interview we just had with the Draft Network's Justin Mello. One of the things we obviously talked about was Hendon Hooker speaking today at the NFL Combine. And a good friend of the program, Ross Jackson of the Locked on Saints podcast, had a little bit of a back and forth. I think it was a three or four questions, about a minute. Uh, here's what Hendon Hooker had to say today at the NFL Combine podium. Yeah, spent some time with them. Um, you know, great organization. Uh, you know, great people, great football minds. Uh, we really just got a get to know me um, type of situation, and uh, you know, talked a little ball, but you know, it was it was a great process. Did you have an existing relationship with Cody Burns already from your year together? Yeah, he was at Tennessee, um, and spent a lot of time with him. He was telling me about his quarterback days <laughs> at Auburn. Then, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, he's he's a great he's a great guy. And a great football mind as well. Um, he implemented a lot of a lot of good plays for us at Tennessee that uh, you know worked in our favor. What do you make of that Knoxville to New Orleans sort of pipeline that you've seen over the course of the past few years? Yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah. This is a cool, cool pipeline. Um, I have a, a you know c- communication with every one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I had dinner with Alante Taylor yeah. last week. Uh, he came out to, to California and he was working out. So I came up and had dinner with him. We we talked about some of the things that he encounters down there in New Orleans. Alante Taylor doing really recruit. If the Saints pick him, they pick him. Recruiting. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if recruiting. <laughs> it, he would have to be do it be like doing a sales pitch to, right, the, to right. the Saints. Um yeah, I mean uh, not like not like Hendon has much of a say, but yeah. The if if the Saints you know, it's not hard to sell me on the idea that the Saints are gonna be interested in a former Tennessee ball. Hmm. It's just not. Um, kind of like Ohio State players. Yeah, I mean, if you had to pick one, you had to pick a secondary pipeline that the Saints like. It's it's Tennessee. They have it with Ohio State, and then Cody Burns obviously is, as Ross mentioned in that question, was at Tennessee, and then the Saints hired him last year as the wide receivers coach. And I think you know the Saints had a lot of coaching changes this off season. One name that stayed where he was was Cody Burns. I think he got very good reviews. I think he did a very good job. Obviously, Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid also had very good seasons. Um, you know, Jarvis and, and Mike T dealt with injuries. It's hard to – you can't blame the coach for that. Um, Started great. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he had, him, he, had him, he had him going. Jarvis had 100 yards in that first game. Mike T had two touchdowns. Ah, the good old days. Yeah. Uh, looking at the scoreboard right now, we have a final at the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. A little close to begin with, but those the Lady Tigers really pulled away. 83-66 victory over Georgia, so they'll be moving on to the next round where they'll be facing the winner of the Kentucky-Tennessee game, which, yes. which will be coming up in another 20 minutes on the SEC Network. Yeah, we're warming up now. Checking in on, on the Pulse Game strike, strikeout show. Five innings pitched, one hit, 11 Ks. So, you know, it's like any time that Butler manages to get out without striking out, it's a victory, <laughs> apparently. He's thrown 65 pitches. He's nowhere near done. Um, LSU is now up 4 nothing. Yeah. Dylan Cruz, three RBIs, hit a home run. Since we're going to be doing these Friday shows, I think, pretty, pretty much throughout the baseball season, we might have to get, like, a Paul Skeens K – Going, uh, I don't know, like a, a K we, counter. Yeah, I was like, that's not really going to work for radio, I guess. Yeah, but. I don't know how that would. Yeah, we'll we'll tape them up in the corner <laughs> and we will describe it to you in we'll, graphic detail. We'll we'll post it on Twitter. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Coming be, back, be at, a lot of them. <laughs> coming back after this break on WWL. One final segment on Friday Sports Talk with Jeff, Steve, and Charlie. After this, closing things out here on Sports Talk. 
we were just talking about some of the disappointments from seasons past and Saints years, and man, it's it's so hard to think about even the the COVID seasons when the Superdome was an empty warehouse was just a really weird feeling for games. No fans, obviously, in attendance, and thankfully, uh, this past season we were, were we're back to normal status. And uh, mentioned a little earlier too, where the fact where we were interviewing coaches and players via Zoom calls. And I really didn't think, Jeff, that things were going to change and go back to the normal way of being back in person. But definitely uh, pleased that we're not just sticking with uh, video conference callings and we're back in locker rooms. That is very true, and it's it's late, and I forgot to turn my mic on. <laughs> uh, one thing that has changed is there's an XFL now. Oh, yeah, all those games we've been watching. Yeah, I've watched like seven minutes total of the XFL, but I did get 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 a you know get a story that came across my Twitter timeline today, which is that Quentin Dormati, I think I'm saying his the, name, the new douche of the year, I guess you could say. Are we allowed to say say that on air? <laughs> I think you could say douche, sure. Okay, if not, I'll get fined. Said it twice, right? Um, <laughs> he, Charlie shrugged too. He's he, not sure. Maybe know. he'll dump it's me. A, yeah. It's a uh, yeah. We don't need to go deeper into that. Uh, but, but why do I, did I call him that? Yes, he's on the Orlando XFL team. Was was he is no longer on the team and he has been cut because he allegedly leaked their playbook to the team they're playing. Um, which okay, <laughs> I guess that's something you could do. How how the heck do you even do that as the leader? You're a quarterback of whatever team. I don't care if it's the XFL or not, and you sell your teammates out like that to me is just awful. Maybe maybe he did it by accident. I, I don't know. He accidentally leaked it to the – oh, here. Maybe, maybe he just like was like talking. and I, I don't know. Well, I, 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 don't I did know. see too, though, after the investigation, man, it was quick. The team was like, bye-bye, you're out of here. Well, the coach also like went like during the – after the game or ha- at halftime of the game the other day was like <laughs> – he was like, oh, "What do you need to do to get these guys, uh, you know, more competitive?" And he was like, "We need to get different players." <laughs> That's essentially what he said. He was like, these guys clearly don't care. It's like they know every play we're about to do. Yeah, it was like a viral video. He was like, oh, "I just need to get different players because these guys don't care." Anyway, uh, but yeah, you know, and it is funny because like you talk about the idea of like, "Oh, this is rigged, whatever," <laughs> and I do wonder if like the XFL would actually be better if they did operate like the WWE and did manufacture storylines because like they still play and they can still show off their skills. You know, I still believe that professional wrestlers are essentially gymnasts. They're just doing what you tell them. Yeah. Obviously you had the script there and that definitely, yeah. when I found out as a young boy that wrestling quote unquote, wasn't real, it definitely dis- real as you devastated me. Yeah. I was so, a big Jake, the snake Roberts fan. And that way, when they get to the NFL and they get the script, as like Arian Foster said, <laughs> they, they'll be know exactly what to do with. It. Yeah. I don't know if even that's going to get me to watch the XFL. That's why Nick Sirianni was crying. Before the Super Bowl, he oh. he got a early look at the script that said, "Oh, you're." Gonna- Wait a minute, we have a ten point halftime lead in them yeah, blow. Yeah, it? that's that would make me cry. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Anyway, that, <laughs> that yeah. But anyway, like the XFL, it is like you talk about like gambling and stuff, and that's like the big reason that they wanted to keep gambling illegal for so long was because they didn't want it to ruin the integrity of the games and whatnot. And the games have like the, the leagues have obviously a lot of lobbying power in that respect, but like. How could you possibly gamble on the XFL and feel like the result is not impacted in some way? Like you could never really 
get inroads with the NFL or the NBA or Major League Baseball without people finding out about it because it's a massive organization. The XFL, it's like if one if one guy with like a, like deep pockets wanted to influence the result of the Orlando XFL team, they could one hundred percent do it. I mean, this is probably a dumb question, but are there lines? There are there betting lines for the XFL? There's got to be, know. right? I mean, I feel like you can bet on anything. That's exactly what I was going to say too, um, right? I don't know if you can do it legally, but you can usually bet on anything. I haven't ever seen it on like Caesars. All right, sorry to spring this on you guys. I like to do this kind of like at the end of the show. What is the plans for the weekend, Charlie? What you gonna do? Some belt tournament. Go Cajuns. UConn. Which- go UConn. Uh, LSU baseball. Doesn't have the same and- ring to it, Jeff. <laughs> LSU baseball yeah, and also actually gonna win. women's basketball and hopefully make it out to the fair. Kansas win the Sun Belt, boy. At, the, at, the, uh, at Zephyr Field, have some passes to check that out. Thank you to everyone for, for tuning in and all of our guests for being a part of today's show. Uh, for Charlie, Jeff, and Steve Gella, going to say a great night. Have a great weekend and talk to you next Friday here on WWL. Peace. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.